there's still doom, what of him? What of doom, my dear lady? As I stood outside your door, I heard quite a bit of your story. If you wish, I'll add mine to clear up the mystery of doom's transition. You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Okay, so uh, welcome back to the, the Piercing Wizard Podcast. Also, can you can you hear me okay? Okay, I can hear you too. You look very pretty, by the way. Thank you. Um, I'm wearing so, a, a Roadhouse t-shirt today. Roadhouse. Um, we may or may not have a video version of this for Patreon, but if not, just believe me when I say that Lola looks really cute in her Roadhouse t-shirt. Uh, so you're doing, this feels re- really weird, like interviewing you, like being able to see you. Does that, is that weird? Do this. A little bit, yeah. Okay, so you have your education day coming up on Sunday, the 24th of January, 2021. You're going to be talking about wieners, uh, Prince Albert piercings most specifically. So why don't you do an intro for you if people don't already know who you are, um, and then maybe just talk about a couple of your ideas from the class and why you think it's important. Okay, my name's Lola Slider. I'm a body piercer from Glasgow in Scotland. So at the moment, that means I'm an out-of-work body piercer because we're in lockdown again. Yeah. Um, uh, I own Forest Piercing. Um, I'm an APP member. Um, Five years this year, which is exciting for me. So did you get the new certificate? No. Well, I haven't had to get through yet, but you know, shipping mail stuff here. It'll say Lola Slider is a five-year member in good standing. Well, I didn't know if it would, because I've been a member for five years, but last year I had to, to like reapply. It's like when you reapply, but you're still a member and you never stop being a member. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're going to treat it like five consecutive years, which I think that they could. And if they don't, it would be like the time you told me that I could have a five timers jacket if I came on your show five times and you didn't. So if this turns out to be like that, I'm going to be very disappointed. Difficult. These are unprecedented times, Lola. I can't go buying embroidered satin jackets all willy nilly, but you'll get one eventually. Okay. So I don't know. I mean, I'll be happy enough if it's just, a regular certificate. I'll, I'll know that it's my fifth one, but still, it's, it's still exciting for me. Um, what was the question? Oh yeah, so I'm doing uh, an education day with you on the 24th, the 24th of January, uh, 2021. And I think that we should just say 2021 as many times as possible, because it yeah. just, just sounds beautiful um, and way better than any previous alternative that won't be mentioned. Um, so on that day, you're going to be offering um, your your nipple class, which is um, considerations for nipple piercings. I'm not going to do I'm not going to do the full like needle technique thing because um, I'm I'm doing this as kind of like a bonus to supplement your class, but I'm also doing it to record to put on Patreon, and I don't really like to put a lot of like needle technique videos on Patreon because anybody could sign up, and I wouldn't want to be irresponsible and 
share like how to information with someone who's maybe not a professional piercer. So my class is going to be basically all the things that you would need to think about before a nipple piercing, like how to evaluate anatomy, how to talk to certain people if they've had any sort of um, alteration to their anatomy through surgery or hormone replacement therapy, uh, talking about different aftercare issues, inverted nipples would be part of the conversation. So I'm going to do all that stuff as maybe like a, I'm aiming for like a 45 minute presentation and then I'll, I'll probably put that on, on Patreon. And that's all really valuable information that's often a lot harder to get, you know, like, because there are classes you can take on bevel theory and you can do shadowing and, you know, like you can get that hands-on experience, but it actually takes a lot longer to get the experience you need to learn about all different anatomy types. Yeah. I, I think that it's, it's a super valuable class. I, I, I've taken your nipple class before and um, really felt that it benefited me. You know, like even, even at this point, there were little changes that I can make. Um, and I get really excited about that stuff because it like it makes me feel like I'm still learning things, which is fun. Um, I will say, though, on one of the posts that you made, uh, not on the not on the class one, but I think just one of the times you posted, you said plus bonus nipple content by Ryan Willett. Mm -hmm. Part of me just hoped it would just be you like wearing tassels or something. Just like just trying to lick my own nipple. <laughs> <laughs> that's the bonus content. That, well, that so definitely be for Patreon. So for the, the PA part of it, um, I feel like I have to step back a little bit and just point out the fact of how many conversations we've had involving foreskin. It's going to be my uh, legacy. Like if I die tragically, that, that's going to be all, the only thing people remember me for. Right. To change. Spoiler alert, I'm American, so I don't have foreskin. So I don't have a lot of like firsthand. Why don't you? What? Tell the world, why don't you? <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's that shocking. Um, but a lot of US piercers, they just, they don't have any experience with it. Out of 20 years and however many dicks I've seen and, pier and pierced, let me, let me add that as an amendment. Um, how many dicks I've pierced, foreskin is like maybe five ever, like out of my whole career. So um, I think a, a, a piercer from... Europe, UK, uh, that deals with intact anatomy, natural anatomy, um, would, would probably have a lot of really useful information to share with, especially North American piercers. Well, when the, the class first came up, um, I've been doing the class for three years, and each year I've tried to include more information in the class just from, you know, like, you know, when you teach a class, you almost think of things as you're teaching or once the class is over that would have been good to incorporate. So I think once you've done a class, it's easy to kind of add content to it a little bit. So it's the third kind of edition of the class. And the, the reason I started doing the class was because at the time, uh, this would be four years ago, because I guess I spent about a year working on the class. Uh, I was doing a PA piercing. Um, and my apprentice at the time was watching the piercing and just like with any um, shadowing piercing, uh, I was just talking through everything that was happening and explaining to the client and explaining to them what was going on. And just through that kind of organic conversation, it just kind of occurred to me, like, there's actually quite a lot to say about PA piercings. Like, you know, just I, there was no no point that there wasn't something I could talk about that I was doing manipulating tissue and marking and piercing technique and it just you know I'm one of those people that thinks so oh, you know no no one's going to want to see on the see a class about this like what do people want to learn from me about this and I guess it was just a kind of organic moment where I thought there's probably quite a lot I could talk about this so 
that's how the class got developed. And it wasn't until the first time I did the class and got feedback on it for the first time that I actually realized uh, American piercers had that specific kind of knowledge gap. It didn't even occur to me because I yeah. taught the class uh, in the UK and I wrote it for the UK PP seminar um, for a UK audience. So that wasn't even really the focus when the class was written. Uh, and then after getting that feedback, I then kind of leaned a little bit further into that element of it because I realized that was a knowledge gap. So right. that's kind of how the class was developed. Well, I, I've I've seen it, uh, I think, more than once, and I've been talking to you and watching you prepare for it. And uh, it's a great class. I know I've, I've said that one or two dozen times before on the show, but it's a great class. And um, uh, especially when it comes to foreskin, like now I can look at it differently. Like I, I from when you did your, your class that I took the first time, uh, after that, I had a client who came in and they had intact anatomy and I felt much more confident being able to uh, service them, give them a piercing that they can be you know, happy and healthy with long-term. And I was just really intimidated by it previously. So I thought it was really, really beneficial. Thank you. Uh, and you're also going to do the, the bonus class, predicting and preventing predatory behavior. I know we've talked about that already a bunch on, on this podcast, but I just want to point out to people that it's not about it's not about like uh, a, a, you know, a guy is harassing like a small woman. Uh, it's not about gender. It's about um, someone trying to exert a power dynamic on a, a piercer that they see as, as vulnerable, regardless of gender, uh, regardless of experience level. Sometimes there are just people out there in the world who want to kind of create an unfair power dynamic or they want to just be creepy or gross. And, um, a lot of the things that, uh, through my personal experience in life, I have learned to just kind of be like, well, I, 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 I don't know if I put off a certain vibe or whatever, but like, I don't really have to deal with those interactions very frequently, but I know plenty of piercers who have, and a lot of them put them in a place where they almost feel like they are obligated to deal with someone so that they don't lose the client. And the way that you present your information is so smart and so helpful and so beneficial to people that they can see that it's like, well, you are offering a professional service and there is a certain kind of requirement for the client to respond as a, as in, in a professional way as the client. So if they create uh, that unprofessional scenario, how do you deal with that? How do you move on from that? What's appropriate and what's inappropriate? And it's a massively good class, especially for younger piercers who don't have a lot of experience performing intimate piercings. Like I think that that bonus class is like equal to um, like is just as important as learning the, the techniques for the, the piercing. Well, that's again, the reason that I kind of came up with the supplement was when I did the very first version of the class, I didn't have a separate class called predicting and preventing predatory behavior. I just had kind of like a, a, a forward almost for the, the PA class itself where just, you know, I did like a 10 minute introduction to the class, just going over some of the points I really wanted people to be aware of um, just before they even consider, you know, like doing genital piercing or going back to doing genital piercing if they already offer it. Um, and then again, it's just one of those subjects that I found that there was so much to talk about that just wasn't discussed in like a really frank and open and helpful way. Um, so 
again, the next time that I did the class, there was a full, almost separate presentation that preceded it that needed more time. Um, and then I think when I did it last April as well, that was probably the, the final version of the predicting and preventing predatory behavior supplement as kind of its own standalone class. And again, the, the genesis of that class was, um, these were conversations that I did have with my apprentice at the time, um, you know, introducing genital work and that kind of thing, because uh, when I first started doing genital piercing, I was, you know, 21 and uh, I didn't have any of this information and I didn't really have any resource for that information. So a lot of the situations that came up um, that were of a predatory nature really just put me on the back foot and I just had to kind of deal with them, you know, as and when they came up and I didn't have any kind of a system in place. Uh, and there's a phrase that you use, I think, uh, which is if it's predictable, it's preventable. Um, I'm not sure. That, that that's way too smart. That. That's not something I've said. You know what? It might have been you quoting Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's probably I, it. If I've, if I've ever said anything that sounds smart, I'm probably quoting Jeff or you. There is a phrase, if it's predictable, it's preventable. It's like a safety phrase. And I'm sure I've heard you say it, but if it's not your phrase, it could be Jeff's. It could be Brian's. I'll so take credit for it. Yeah, it's someone's phrase and it's a great phrase. Um, and one of the things that I like to go into in the class without obviously giving too much of that content away is that the, the point of the class isn't to kind of accept or tolerate that behavior in any way. Um, it's more to say that if there was an accident that was likely to take place in the studio, like a needle stick injury or uh, a contamination incident, that is a, a predictable event. So you put a preventative measure in place for that event. You know, that you have something on paper, you, you discuss something with your coworkers, there's something that's in place so that if that thing happens, which is predictable, there's something there that's gonna help you prevent it. And there's a system in place for if something does happen. Um, obviously predatory behavior isn't the same as an accident because it's deliberate. But mm. again, if it is something that you can predict, then it's something that you, in part, can at least try and prevent, which I think you owe to yourself or to your coworkers so that they're not just freely exposed to that behavior. Anything else that creates a risk in the studio would probably have some sort of protocol or practice to minimize or eliminate that risk. You know, yeah, exactly. needle, needle sticks, handling contaminated trash or whatever. So why wouldn't you want the staff to be trained where it's like sometimes you're going to get messages from somebody that wants to ask creepy questions or, you know, wants to, hey, do you have a female piercer? Like those kinds of things can just like instantly pop off a light bulb to be like, mm, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to handle your interaction in a certain way. So it's a, it's a really fantastic, it's, it's really its own class, but it pairs so perfectly with the subject matter that it's, it's really valuable for a lot of people. Um, I hope so. Well, I think it's going to be great uh, to touch on it. If any, if this is before January 24th, like at least a few days before January 24th, registration is still open. You can go to a couple different places. You can check out Lola's social media. Uh, you can go to Body Art Education by Ryan Willett on Facebook. There's an event page there uh, that has the, the link for registration, explaining the content, explaining the schedule. You can just go to my website, precisionbodyarts.com slash seminars. You can get the sign up sheet there. Um, and when you sign up, that's basically just saying, this is my name and my contact info. I want to take the class. And then you're going to need to verify because I think 
anything that I teach that involves how to push a needle through somebody, same thing for you. We really want to just verify that you're working in a shop. I don't necessarily care how much experience you have. If you're six months in or 16 years in, I just want to know that you are in a shop. You have access to some sort of level of safety equipment, sterilization equipment that you've had some sort of level of training. I'm completely, uh, uh, sympathetic, empathetic, uh, understanding of people, vastly different experience levels. But I think the information is really important. But I think the line for me is you have to be a professional of some capacity. You can't just be uh, an enthusiast that wants to get into piercing uh, or, or you're just in, in, into it because you like dicks or, or whatever. Like you need to be a, a, a professional piercer of some experience level to register. Um, but uh, you'll need to verify uh, your registration, meaning you need to email some stuff to Lola and it can be really anything. It can be a, a, a cell phone picture of your license or a, a, a picture of your business card that shows that you work in a shop or a screen cap from a studio social media listing you as a piercer or their website listing you as a piercer or just the link to your, your, your membership uh, on the UK APP website, the APP website, something like that. You just need to show uh, something that says that you're a professional, but we're very loose on what the something can be. So it's, it's not difficult. Once you verify, you get a PayPal invoice and you pay, and then that's it. And then you get the invite for the class. For me as well, like I'm, I'm also aware that this past year, an awful lot of people lost their jobs. Mm. You know, so for me, verification, as long as it's documentation for within the last 12 months, I would be happy to accept that, you know, because sure. a lot of people are between jobs right now. Yeah, um, you, don't, you don't stop being a piercer just because you're out of work. Yeah, exactly. Like a lot of piercers are going to be out of work for, you know, six months and beyond. Um, yeah. uh, licenses can lapse, insurance can lapse in that time. And you're not required to renew those documents until the shop can open again, mm -hmm. which during obviously a lockdown situation um, is, is money that could be better spent on things like rent, you know? So there are situations yeah. right now where people are gonna lapse in those things. Um, but, you know, as long as they can document and verify whether it's through like a work feed or, <clears throat> you know, like you say, business cards or any, any kind of work verification that's recent or from within the last 12 months, then that would be fine. Uh, I wanna clarify the schedule because sometimes even when I read it, it seems a little bit wacky. The main focus of the day is Lola's class. Like this is this is Lola's class. I'm offering my presentation as like a warm-up, like opening band bonus. Because I, again, a lot of people are out of work. Um, if people are paying for a class, I want them to get as much out of the day as possible. So 100% um, of the funds are, are going to Lola. You know, you're, you're out of work right now. You've had a really rough go of it with UK lockdowns, Scotland lockdowns. Um, so 100% of the money goes to, to Lola. None of it goes to me. My business is still open. Um, so I wanted to just kind of add my class on as a, a bonus, something that I can do to, to give the, the attendees just a, a little bit of an extra thing. And then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll record it and stick it on Patreon for, for, uh, for those people. But um, I, I, anyway, the schedule. Uh, Lola's class, which is the main event, is going to start at one o'clock Eastern US time, which will be six o'clock at night UK time. So whatever region you're in, whether it's West Coast US or somewhere in Europe or wherever, just check the local time zones, but it'll be one o'clock Eastern US time, six o'clock uh, PM British time. And that's gonna be for Lola's presentations. 
But before that, I'm going to do my opener. And that's going to be at uh, two hours before Lola starts, basically. So 11 o'clock Eastern US, um, which will be four o'clock uh, PM British time. I'm going to do my, my presentation of about 45 minutes. And then we're going to take maybe an hour break in between. So if there's any last minute questions or if somebody is rushing to pay a last minute invoice for Lola's class or something like that. So on Sunday, the 24th, I'll start at 11 o'clock Eastern US time. Check your own local time in your area. Google it if you need to. I'm going to go for about 45 minutes and then maybe chit chat a little bit. And then we're going to have an hour off. You're, when you register, you're going to get two separate links. You'll get the link from my bonus class. If you want to take it, take it. Some people have already taken my, my full nipple class. The people who take online education, I see a lot of uh, similar names for your classes and my classes. So they might've already seen or heard my nipple information. So if you don't want to take it, you don't have to worry about that. You could just take Lola's the main event kind of thing, but you'll get two separate invites, one for Lola's part and one for my part, but um, sign up for it. You have to sign up for Lola's class to get the the invite for, for my class. Um, sorry, but supporting my, my woman. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about that? Or do you want to get into a couple? I got a couple little like short subjects. Okay. Anything else you want to talk, touch on for, for dink related information first? No. Um, not off the top of my head. No. Okay. You're thinking of the wrong body part. All right. So, uh, one thing is I've been watching, uh, what you've been doing to stay productive in this, in this lockdown. And I think a lot of it is trying to inspire other piercers who might be in kind of the same situation. You know, you're, you're a big role model to, to me. I, I, I see how you interact. Like I know the personal Lola and I know that sometimes your energy is sapped because you're, you're constantly having to give your energy to clients or other industry related things. And you still put all this, this work out there to try to help and inspire other people, even when, when, you know, you're probably a little bit uh, bummed out. But uh, I, I think one great thing that you do with your lockdowns is you set, you set boundaries for your mental health, disabling, the messaging on social media and trying to drive them towards just go to the website or just email me and I'll respond to you like during business hours. I think that's a great thing for people who are kind of in similar situations, whether you're in California or whether you're in, in Brighton or, or whatever, you know, like you need to, to realize that like you shouldn't be on 24 seven. So what do you think about setting your boundaries for your own mental health professionally? Well, I would say that it's something that I'm trying to do. But like a lot of people, I haven't perfected it. I always want to be really clear that a lot of the time when I try and give people inspirational advice on the internet, I've not like mastered that advice. It's just, it's just a good idea. It's what I'm also trying to do. So like, I'm not perfect at doing it. The first lockdown was really, really rough for me. Um, I definitely struggled with it a lot more because my shop had only been open for three months. Uh, and I think during the first lockdown, everyone just kind of, you know, from every other studio, well, for most other studios, not every studio, but most studios literally just down tools, went home and just kind of stopped answering messages and stopped answering emails. Because yeah. I got a huge amount of messages from people um, just saying, hi, I'm not your customer, but I can't get in touch with my person. What do I do about this? Mm -hmm. Obviously, as a brand new business, like I have to take every opportunity I can to try and, um, you know, promote myself and promote safe piercing and you know, like hope that by doing that, I can get more work and more clients. And that's been something that's been really effective for me. Um, but even then, like 
most normal, reasonable people aren't going to be upset that you don't reply to them at 10 o'clock at night. You know, they're just not. And that's the problem is you kind of set yourself an impossible standard when all of your devices and all of you, all of your accounts and all of your inboxes are all synced to one device, which is what I had the biggest problem with. And then obviously there was another lockdown and now this lockdown. And I think by the third time, I'm finally getting a better balance of what I can manage. Um, I tried to turn off some of my inbox boxes, but actually I couldn't find out how to, I don't know if I'm not doing it right or if it just can't be done, but I redirected all of the traffic to my shop email address, which I check either every day or every other day. I try to be on it pretty regularly. Um, I set up automatic reminders on any platform that I could just telling people, you know, this inbox isn't currently manned, redirect all of your mail to this, you know, one inbox. And it kind of means that, you know, when we're in lockdown, we really rely on technology to be our contact with the outside world, especially if you live alone. And that means you can at least create a little bit of breathing space where you can pick up your phone without there necessarily being just like this waterfall of notifications and messages from clients and not just from clients, but from, you know, businesses and, you know, utility companies and all this kind of stuff you're having to deal with. And it really does fill you with a lot of anxiety when you have to like pick up your phone and see that. So uh, for this lockdown, I made a point of logging out of all of my email addresses other than my one kind of private email. Um, I redirected all of the traffic to my shop's email address, which I can log in and out of. Um, so I kind of did those things. And that's been a really big help. I haven't noticed it, but I've definitely noticed less kind of just on the spot moments of panic when I like refresh my inbox in my Gmail without thinking about it you know because in the other lockdowns I would do that and then there would suddenly be this wave of stuff that I had to do but I also don't have the power to fix any of these problems right now and you know you can't unsee something once you've seen it so there's there's no way to do that thing where you're like I'll deal with it during sensible hours so the only way to kind of deal with it is to like make it so you can't see it which can seem quite extreme, like logging out of everything, but it's, you know, like it's extreme times. Like you have to physically log out of everything, uninstall things, remove things. Um, and I've, I've definitely noticed there have been less times I've been like scared to pick up my phone or like, you know, just flying from like, you know, if you're like a two or three out of 10 on the stress scale or whatever, just all of a sudden going through the roof because you see all of this stuff you have to deal with whilst mm -hmm. the world's on fire. That, that's been a big help for me. Well, you've, you've definitely given me ideas. Now I try to basically just, I'll, I'll, I'll pause all the apps on my phone when I'm off business hours. I try to focus on, you know, nine to five is, is my goal. I'm sure every now and then I'll, I'll answer an email or something at night or, or whatever. But um, I still almost every day I'll get that random message at like 1130 at night. Be like, Hey, I have this, this, like this un unimportant question, not to say that it's like in dismissively, I'm not trying to say it's like dismissively unimportant, but it's like, it doesn't need to be answered at 1135 at night. It can wait until the next morning. So that's what I'm trying to do to, to set boundaries for myself because um, I'm just so worn down by feeling like I have to work um, a lot harder for a lot less, like a lot of people. Um, and it's like, well, when, when do I get to keep some of that energy for myself? Um, and I know that 
some people, they, they get a bug and they're like, I'm really motivated and excited to do this thing. And I just want this one answer. And you kind of feel like that's that answer will be the gateway for you making money. Like I need to answer this right now. And then the person will book an appointment and I'll get money off of it or something. But it's, it, you don't have to um, get that instant dopamine fix. It can wait until office hours. Everybody in the world is used to that. If you send a business a message at 1130 at night, think of when you're realistically going to get an answer. Like really good example is if I ask a body jewelry quote to a company, I'm like, hey, I need a a price on this piece. And I send that like at Friday night at seven o'clock, like I'm not going to hear back until sometime Monday morning. And that's perfectly fine and perfectly acceptable. And that's like still high quality customer service because it's, it's business hours they're not going to create the unrealistic standard where I'm going to get a a reply at three in the morning on Saturday, you know? I think an important thing to be aware of is the fact that pretty much industry-wide, everybody has been affected really, really badly by the pandemic. And something that I noticed, I haven't been able to work very much. Um, I was only, I was able to work for about 10 days in December, I think, literally in between two lockdowns. And um, And I kind of, one of my only contacts with the outside world, you know, like with just the community that I live in is with my customers. Cause I'm a bit of a hermit anyway. And, you know, so like getting a, a feel for how they're feeling. And um, one thing that I noticed was that a lot of clients who had been able to keep working kind of had this sense of guilt that they'd been able to keep working while other people weren't able to work. Sure. And, you know, they would kind of say some things about the lockdown and then be like, oh, you know, it's not been that bad for me because they knew that I'd been out of work. And at times like that, I always just felt the need to be like, you don't have to apologize for being, you know, depressed or run down during a pandemic just because somebody mm-hmm. else's situation may be in a way worse than your situation. So I think that, you know, it's important to just be aware it's not like a competition for who's the most miserable. Like, I mean. I, I, I've, I've, I've felt that in a very deep way yeah. because you've seen that there are, there are times where I come home from work and I'm bummed out and then you're bummed out for whatever various reason. And we're not trying to like out sad each other. We're just expressing so that we can get some of that sadness out and then move on with our day together. Like nobody's, nobody is all smiles right now. Nobody is living it up. People are, people are surviving. Maybe the the occasional person is thriving, but I think even if someone seems like they're thriving online, they're, they're probably still struggling a little bit personally. They're probably just better at like maintaining the illusion than it's just something that I try and be really mindful of because obviously being out of work for so long and in Scotland there are all different kinds of guidelines you know in terms of piercing as there are in other parts of the UK and it's just what I've been able to do has been really really squeezed and it would be so easy to just be like you know resentful and jealous and angry at studios that have been able to keep working and i think it's just really really important to not let yourself fall down that hole because yeah. for one it doesn't help you in any way it doesn't help the community in any way uh, and it's also inaccurate like studios that have had to stay open although that things might not be as bad in a financial sense there's also the possibility they could be because you know those businesses can't qualify for any kind of support because they're still open they're still having to pay out all of their expenditure like they normally would but you know the amount of appointments they can do has maybe been cut in half or maybe down to a third um you know they're still all ha- like yourself you're having to deal with clients in massively different circumstances um in terms of how you see them through the appointment process and a lot of people are unhappy with that and even though it's not your fault 
and you're doing everything for the right reasons and in accordance with state and local laws, you're the person that has to be face to face with that customer dissatisfaction. Mm -hmm. So you're going from having, you know, normal days at work with peaks and troughs to having, you know, every single day at work, maybe every second customer is more challenging and maybe puts some of that unhappiness on you and then you have to carry that around. So I think that it's just important to, to be aware that you shouldn't feel you know, piercers that have been able to keep working, I don't think that they should have to feel guilt that other people can't work. Like they're entitled to their feelings, they're entitled to suffer, you know, like the stress and anxiety of being in a pandemic, just the same as everybody else. You know, like you don't win a prize for for being out of work the longest. I think if he could, um, you I'm win. not sure he would be winning. I, I was thinking, I was going to say like, you know what? No, I, I, think, I think some piercers in California would win. I think that's what I was going to say. I think California has been like the, you know, they're definitely in the lead of like the misery Olympics for, you know, like not being able to pierce. But I think that I'm like, I maybe get a podium. Yeah. Like, no, you're, you're a strong contender. You're a strong yeah. contender. Keep training hard. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, so a big thing that I've noticed particularly with your experiences through lockdown um, is how much work goes into not working. Like crazy. It's, it's like a full-time job, not being able to do your job. Like it's, it, you're constantly having to um, like, you know, grind hustle, whatever term you want to use. Like you have to, you like, you're doing the web shop and like, and you're constantly trying to like, uh, you know, tweak your, tweak your website to put more information there. You know, you're working, you, you, you worked on all those like infographics for your website that like really beautifully and simply explain things about aftercare and troubleshooting. I watched you make your um, aftercare pamphlet and new cards and stickers and, and all those things. But I'm also watching you do all your work for the UK APP, write classes, teach classes, do all this stuff. And it's like, I think a lot of us think like, um, you know, lockdown should be us just sitting around in our underwear, eating like snacks all day, which like, honestly you do, but still while you're doing it, you're multitasking and doing like six jobs at once. So, um, well, it becomes a lot harder to deal with things like bills when you don't have any source of income. And unfortunately, really, why, could you explain why? Yeah. Like that, that's why it's, you know, almost when things go into lockdown, that's when you actually really have to go to work because every minute of every day is spent like trying to figure out how you're possibly going to like keep a business. Um, You know, like there are still uh, massive gaps in funding and in support Um, where I'm located. um, If you qualify for funding and support, it's paid in arrears, which basically means you have to get into the debt first so every single month you have to go through this and, you know, 10 months into a pandemic, that's exhausting um, because it's not, you know, you have to keep reapplying. It doesn't just, you know, roll over. It's, it's not like it's something that they seem to keep a track of, which you would think again at this point would be happening. Um, and, and every time new funding and new support becomes available, there are also new caveats, new reasons that you might not be able to get it, new limits on what you can get. So it's not just like you can just sit back and think, well, I'm just going to, you know, tighten my belt and wait it out. Every month you're in a situation where there may not be help and support. You have to wait till you owe all of that money. 
and then find out. So it's like, it's pretty impossible to relax under those conditions. Um, you know, during the first lockdown, I'm sure I already said on the podcast, I had to go for three months, just not having any money to pay rent on, on my flat, on my studio. Um, there was just none. It took months and months and months to try and get any kind of support. And every day, because you're not doing anything, you're working out in your head how much more money uh, in debt you're getting into every day. And it's like, you can't help. It's so hard to not think in those terms. It's incredibly challenging to get to a point where you can turn that off. And again, three lockdowns in, I'm getting a little bit better at it because I'm just trying to tell myself like, somehow I'm still here. So somehow I'm gonna get there. Uh, but it's really draining, just honestly not knowing. Um, so that's why it's, you know, it's not the same. Again, if you've been at work and you're thinking, oh, well, what I would give to just be sat at home right now, it's really, really not fun. Mm -mm. Um, I had about a two month closure from, from my lockdown. <laughs> and I think that early into it, I did see it as kind of like, um, like a terrifying vacation, but my lockdown ended. I went back to work. My work changed somewhat dramatically, but I was still working. Um, and now I've settled into that, that new pattern at work where um, I'm definitely, I'm putting in a lot more hours and um, it's a lot more customer service labor intensive, not in a negative way, but you know, the whole cradle to the grave, one, one person at a time appointment thing. Um, but like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to have to deal with another lockdown. Like, I think that's terrifying for a lot of business owners and some of the business owners who have just, their new normal is dealing with lockdowns. Like they're, they're strong people. Um, I think one of the things that you had to adapt to as well was you're, you know, unlike me just being on my own, you have a whole family of staff you have to care for and consider for yeah. as well. That's why I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm, I'm fortunate enough where I'm at a point where if I had to take some time off forced or chosen, I, I wouldn't have to worry panic too much, but like I, yeah, I have staff who have kids and families and they have their own rents and they have their own stuff. So it's like, I have to make sure that the business is viable for them. Even if I don't make any profit at all, I have to make sure that my obligations are met for, for my staff. And I'm not saying that in a negative, I'm saying that as a very positive, like I, I love being able to help offer some stability with people that I care about, but it's so much pressure worrying about, well, what happens if we, if we are pushed into another lockdown? Like, what do I do? What do we do? And the people who have to live with that as a reality um, I, I really applaud you and know that like uh, people like me and Lola are thinking about you a lot. Yeah. I just, that the community has been affected in so many negative ways. I just think it's important to be aware that like, you know, it's, it's not like a contest for who has it the worst. Like we're all yeah. struggling really badly right now. We all and have well, it the worst together. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just, I just think it's important to be aware that, you know, like you shouldn't also have to deal with like, guilt for your anxiety on top of your anxiety like just feel however it is that you're feeling is it's it's insane to think that you should feel guilty about having to live and work during a global pandemic like yeah. this is a massively traumatic event you know yeah um you made a really nice video for social media where you were kind of educating clients um to how to best take care of their piercings during a lockdown 
And I really like that the the biggest influence was like, just don't mess with your piercings right now. Just don't mess with your piercings yeah, right now. So what put that on your mind? Well, that, that was something that I've learned for, from the last two lockdowns again. I'm getting better at getting locked down. So at least that's something that's improved over the past 10 months. Um, a lot of the problems that I was having with people, you know, sending me emergency messages and being like, I'm having this problem and it needs to be fixed now, which are often, you know, the most stressful for me because it's like, I still can't do anything. And it just makes me feel like such a, a failure as a, you know, a provider of piercing services when you know that you have a client that's in trouble and you literally can't do anything because most of what we do is like hands-on practical assistance. And, um, you know, then you fall into that, that problem of, well, I could try and explain to them how they could maybe do this or that at home. And then you're like, in a way that can be more dangerous depending on what the situation is. So um, I really wanted to just make sure there was some information out there available to clients to try and be a bit more preventative. Um, we spend a lot of time, I think, focusing on how do we treat this? How do we treat that? You know, like, what do you recommend in this situation? And we don't really spend a lot of time often uh, promoting how not to get in those situations, you know, like for events like lockdown where support isn't available in any kind of physical capacity. Um, and a lot of the, the kind of problems that I had in crisis from customers were things that wouldn't have happened if they'd have just left the piercing as it was and not done a particular thing to it. Mm -hmm. um, so what's, really the, what's the most common thing that you see come up with people? For me, it's like, I had to take it out for a medical reason and now I can't get my jewelry back in. But what are, what are you seeing most frequently? Uh, it, it, it varies, but at the moment, it's really just things like complete random spot inflammation where it, where something is totally fine. And I actually had this with my dog piercing the other day. And I sent you like, a, I don't know if I sent you a picture or showed you a picture, like my oh, yeah. dog piercing, which is years old, just got really swollen for no apparent reason at all. And, uh, and it's just one of those things. And that's one of the things that I mentioned in the video is that, you know, your piercings still live in your skin and your skin reacts to its surroundings and, you know, your diet and what it's exposed to. So like there's still every possibility that years into having a piercing, it could just balloon up one day for no reason. So I really wanted to include kind of what to do in that situation and what can cause some of those things. And one of the biggest things I think is just um, literally the sudden rapid change of circumstances that is going into lockdown. Um, you know, like everything from your diet, your schedule, your sleep patterns, how much water you drink, how often you shower, when you shower, all of that stuff pretty much. Wait, just you're supposed to shower? At least once a week. Yes. Okay. All of that stuff just gets the brake slammed on it and you just do something completely different because you're like right back into lockdown now. So everything in your routine suddenly crashes to a halt, which is obviously going to cause your skin to react in a very different way. And that's also not even mentioning like the massive rise in stress and anxiety, which is like obviously well known to cause various things to flare up, um, you know, underlying health conditions and that kind of thing. So like, I just think that it's important for, be for people to be aware of those risks and to try and prevent those things from happening by taking, you know, good care of themselves and their piercings wherever they can. Um, unfortunately. And to realize that if they need help, there might not be any help available. Well, one of the things I've been trying to educate customers on as well <laughs> is when to know when to seek medical assistance, mm -hmm. because sometimes people are just looking for a bit of reassurance, you know, and you can say, why don't you send a picture, you know, and I'll say, look, I am not a doctor. I'm not a medical professional, but why don't I take a look? Because sometimes 
piercing kind of looks okay it just looks a little bit angry mm -hmm. and I'll say to them you know here are some of the things to look out for that could be indicative of a more serious problem I keep them on my website all the time because I also don't want people going to a to accident and emergency right now when they don't need to in the middle of a COVID pandemic um, which obviously puts a burden on those services and puts them more at risk so I wouldn't ever take on the role of telling a client if I thought that they had an infection because my opinion doesn't matter because I'm not a medical professional, but I can educate them as to what the risks of infection look like, or sorry, what the, what the signs of infection look like um, beyond your piercing, just being a bit angry for a day, you know, because like, it's been slept on. Uh, and I can tell them, you know, what those symptoms look like, what they feel like, uh, what the non-emergency medical number they can call is so that they can actually call and speak to a medical professional who can assist them over the phone uh, and let them know if they should go and see a, a general practitioner or not. So I wouldn't ever take on the role of telling a customer whether or not they should seek medical advice. Um, but I like to make sure they have all of that information, what to look out for, who to call, you know, like when they should call, uh, which to be honest, the answer is anytime they feel like they need to, like anytime they feel that there is an actual risk of infection occurring at the piercing site, um, here's who they can call and here's what they can do. Cause there's nothing that I can do. Um, yeah. and well, even more than that, yeah, uh, it's the people that are just like, oh, I just wanted to try some new jewelry in a new spot and now I can't get it in. It's like, sorry, like you like no matter how much you want me to just just it only take a second. I just need you to. It's like I, I can't legally do that if I'm in lockdown. I Sorry, yeah, yeah. you're on your own. It is tough. So let me ask you this. Um, what would be the more dangerous thing for someone to do during lockdown? try to install a tight fitting seam ring in their nostril piercing or give themselves bangs. I think it's hard to say. Cause you see, we're wearing face masks right now. So if you mess up your face, you can still wear a face mask. If you mess up your bangs, you're really stuck with that for yeah. a really long time. So. <laughs> um, what else do I have for notes? Did when you, when you made that video, did you record that direct to Instagram or did you record that on your phone and put it on Instagram? No, I just recorded it on my phone and put it on Instagram. Can you can you email me? Would you be cool if I if I put that if I put that at the end of this podcast? I guess if you want to, as long okay. as you include all of the 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 soppy stuff about being supportive. I want to include the whole thing because I think it's really inspiring. Like uh, someone like me, I can talk about how I feel bad for people in lockdown, but I, I think it carries a lot more weight when it's someone who's right there with them. Like me, I have restrictions on what I'm doing, but I'm still open. Um, but you know, you are, are, it's a completely different reality. Um, just being told repeatedly, like, you know, just go home, just go home. You don't need to, you don't need to make a, make a living. It's like, so I want to share the whole thing. And if you're okay with that, I would like to put it at the end of this podcast. Yeah, I can send that to you. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that it came out. Okay. I just I took the one, the one video of it because uh, it was getting dark at the time. And uh, you know, that way where you're like, if I don't get this, I'm not going to get it. So it's, mm -hmm. I think there's a couple of stars and stuff in it, but otherwise I think it was fine. I think you nailed it. You did great. Uh, do you want to talk about any of the work you've been doing with UK APP or would that be like, that would be a, a whole episode on its own? Um, well, at the moment, I'm just kind of in, in the middle of some stuff that's going on. Um, 
So there's not really anything to to kind of like you know, an, announce or talk about. But we are in the middle of an election at the moment um, where we've had um, nominations confirmed and um, soon um, members are going to be voting on who they'd like to take the the seats that are empty on the board of directors, which is all like really exciting for me because it's the first uh, kind of election that I've been directly involved in, um, you know, like being the president of the organization. And uh, it's, it's hard because there is a lot of stuff that goes on that, you know, like you can't share and you can't talk about publicly sure. uh, just because it's an unfinished kind of stage. It's not information that's ready to be presented, but uh, this past six months, especially, um, like the board has really made some pretty radical changes and has been uh, completely overhauling how it communicates with members, um, you know, like how it provides them with information and, uh, and, and just really trying to do some work to increase the levels of transparency within the organization and increase member participation, or at least, you know, raise awareness of how members can participate and what they can actually do to be active in the organization. And hopefully that's something that's going to continue um, throughout 2021 uh, as a theme is to just get more member participation, with more things, because we are our members basically. So, um, you know, well, like if, if there are any members that are listening, just be aware, even though it's been a, a really dark year and, and there's been a lot of stuff that's had to be cancelled and postponed, you know, we're still here and, and we're still working and trying to make it so that the organization can be can, can still be improved going forward. Right. Any organization, um, the strength of an organization is its membership. So it, it's great to have elections and to bring in new blood, new help. Uh, but yeah, increasing the, the transparency of communication between membership and a, and a board. And uh, I always just want to emphasize whether it's UKAPP or APP or any of the other organizations around the world, um, the best way for you to strengthen that organization. Or, you know, if you say like, I wish the organization would be this or would do this, the best way to make that a reality is to get involved, become a member, volunteer, run for office uh, and, and, and just get involved with it because organizations, just like you said, um, they are their membership. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm only here on the board of directors as in, in the UKPP because I was a member. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I, I think that just removing any kind of preconception that, you know, any member couldn't be on the board is, is really, really important because it's, it's available to anybody that's willing to, to do the work and that, um, you know, has the ability to, to contribute as a, as a board member um, and represent the membership. Yeah, especially with a young organization like the UK APP. If you, if you look back at the APP uh, mm -hmm. in, in the US, you know, especially, well, starting from the US and growing international, um, the organization early on needed its members to, to step up and volunteer and say, like, I want to help grow the organization, grow conference, you know, grow the documents that we make and put out into the world for, for the industry. And, um, you know, the APP had all these leaps and bounds starting off with just a handful of members and then growing into dozens and then hundreds and, and now hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, including all these international members and, and seeing 
what's happened with conference and, and the material training material and policies that they put out into the world and seeing the positive impact on the industry. Um, if you want to see that in the UK, uh, it's, it's up to, I think, membership and it's up to piercers who care enough to become a member in their, their local organization, become a member of the APP also. That's great. But if you're, if you're, if you're a UK piercer, I would really say support the UK APP uh, and, and make a stronger organization for uh, your, your country, your city um, and, and your clientele. I think if there was one thing that I, that I could ask people to, you know, like keep in mind if there's anything they're ever not happy with is just to kind of switch out and rearrange like a couple of words in their heads. And so often when there's something that we're not happy with, you know, we'll think, why don't we have this? You know, when you could say, we don't have this, what can I do to make it so that we do? Mm-hmm. You know, so if there's, if there's a problem, if there's something that we could be doing differently or better, um, I think trying to be, you know, the person that gets that moving forward is, is a lot better than adopting a kind of confrontational attitude. Um, sure. as going, well, why, why isn't this happening? Well, let's, you know, let, let's make it happen. Like, let's figure, let's figure out a plan and do it. Mm-hmm. You also have to be realistic and, and realize that when people say like the board, whether it's APP, UK APP or whatever, you're talking about body piercers who are volunteering what little time and energy they have left when they might be like yourself or like Becky and Pablo in the, in the States is like, you're, you're dealing with just trying to maintain your business and make sure that that goes on or to figure out where your rent's going to come from next month or, or whatever. So um, be a little bit soft uh, on how you like demand things to an organization, like the best way to do it is say like, just like you said, what can I do to help achieve this goal rather than saying like, you know, this organization hasn't achieved my goal yet, but I'm not willing to help or even join the organization. Well, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't ever expect members of the organization to apologize for demanding that it's better, you know, like they have every right to do that. But you know, just be aware I'm a member of the organization too. I was before I was on the board. I'll be a member when I'm not on the board anymore. Um, you know, post-pandemic willing. Um, so, you know, I, I, I would like to see a lot more uh, member participation and interaction. And I'm going to try and do everything that I can. And I've been trying to do everything that I can, you know, the last six months, especially with the free time that I have been given to try and facilitate that. So, that's something that I'm really, really aware of at the moment is, is I want to kind of bridge those gaps of communication as, as much as possible. That's great. Um, so I have all that stuff, uh, my notes, that's basically everything that I had, but I had one uh, additional subject and I don't know if you wanna just try to tackle it quickly or if when I say it, if you feel like it's just too big of a thing to tackle, maybe we'll do that on our next episode. But um, I got a message from, a piercer in the States uh, named James Stampfly. So hi, James, uh, shout out to you. And he was just asking about uh, pay scale. These aren't anonymous questions, are they? <laughs> what? Sorry? These aren't anonymous questions, are well, they? Not anymore. <laughs> um, so, uh, but he, he just, he brought up a good suggestion for talking about um, how piercers are paid and pay scales, not their specific pay rates. Um, but I don't know if that's too, like too deep of a subject to go into, but really just like, you know, does somebody get paid hourly? Does somebody get paid commission? If you're setting up a new business with other piercers, like what would be the, the fair, reasonable or like achievable way to pay them? 
Do you have any like thoughts on that? Like quick or long form? I mean, not longer than five minutes form, but what are your thoughts? Well, I guess the off the top of my head, the answer would be both. You know, piercers get paid on commission. They, they can also get paid a daily wage. They can also get paid an hourly wage. Um, so piercers can get paid all of those different ways. Uh, well, I know they, they, I know all things are possible through Christ, but like, like what, what, what's your opinion on things that are most like, what, what have you experienced working for other people in the past? Like, how have you wanted to get paid and how, like, how did you get paid? Well, for the longest time, when I worked in my previous job, I was there for about nine solid years and I always worked uh, just on a percentage, like a tattooer. And that was the only way that I knew how to work. And I was very happy working that way. Um, but for some people, as I'm not sure if it was yourself I was talking to about this, but um, you know, for some studios where there's multiple piercers, that can create a very competitive atmosphere because all of a sudden you're competing for work because you're getting paid on commission. So, you know, like depending on the studio environment and the work it is you're doing, um, like it may be better to just have all of your piercers on a salary or on an hourly wage. Um, but, you know, if they're on an hourly wage, are they getting set contracted hours or are they on, you know, the dreaded zero hour contract, which I would really hope would not be the case. If you're on a zero hour contract, you should really just be on a percentage. But anyway, I digress. Uh, I, part of me doesn't know if, if it should be a longer episode because I feel like so much of it is just your personal situation. I yeah, think it's up to yourself as a, a self-employed person, basically, to try and find a, a situation that works for you. I think studios have every right to, to set those terms and you have every right to reject them if you're not happy with them. Um, I think the, the most important thing is having communication and honesty and establishing a dialogue straight away where you can say, you know, what is the pay system like? Is there room to negotiate, at, you know, every six months, every 12 months and establish all of that stuff ahead of time? Because right. what you don't want to find yourself in a situation is where you've been in a job for four years, you've never had a raise, you've never had your pay situation change uh, and you don't really know how to go about broaching the issue because there's never been even a conversation about it. And I think that talking about money at least over here, I don't know what it's like over there, is still so taboo that like young people, you know, would I think really, even, even people that are more mature might really struggle to just say, you know, is there, can we have a conversation about this? Um, is, are, are my wages going to be paid this way or this way? Is there going to be increases for inflation and that kind of thing? That's just a conversation that so many people that are excited to get a new job or get offered a new job won't think to have so or um, even just to get maybe their first opportunity to work as a professional piercer they might just be like oh, okay I'll, I'll work for anything you're willing to pay me yeah um you know starting out most of us are you know gonna have to start out uh in a situation that's not going to be our our ultimate and our, our ideal and our finished kind of goal so you know that's a different thing um although minimum standards should obviously apply for for employees rights and working conditions and that kind of thing um like for example if you are getting paid you, you over here it's called the there's the minimum wage and then there's the living wage mm -hmm. minimum wage being the legal hourly amount you're required to pay and then the living wage is like a kind of voluntary minimum that you can pay someone to make sure they're getting a, a bit more fair value for their work and then obviously you can go up from there but um i don't know i think the most important thing is to work out first what you need to make like what are my expenses going to be what what do i actually need to live 
and live comfortably where all of my bills are covered. And if at the end of the day, the job doesn't meet those needs, it's kind of a moot point, really. Um, you know, if you're already armed with that information, it's a lot easier to go into that conversation and say, well, look, I can't take this job because all of my, my you know, bills and my situation means that it's literally not going to be worth it for me. And then maybe that can allow the, the conversation to just grow and expand a little bit to say, well, you know, what do you need? What can we do to make this work? Um, because I think if, if somebody really wants you to work for them, um, then they're going to want to try and accommodate your needs and make sure that you're happy. I mean, who would want to have someone working for them that was really struggling to make ends meet, you know? Right. Um, a thing that I had to learn along the way, I, I worked by myself for years. Um, uh, no counterperson, no other piercers or whatever. So when I, when I started bringing in other staff, I really had to learn how to pay them and, and, pay them fairly, not to say that I wasn't paying them fairly, but I had to, to learn a way that was viable for me as a business owner, but would still show that like, I, I appreciate my staff as professionals and, and I value what they bring to the business. For a while, I did a percentage. I did like a commission. Um, and the problem that I ran into <clears throat> was that uh, there, there were, there were two people who influenced me in a way, one negatively and one that, uh, it wasn't a negative, but like I had to use it as a learning experience. I, I brought in a, a guest piercer once who had like worked in plenty of other shops that I knew and respected. So I was like, oh, well, obviously like they're not going to screw me over because they've, they work for A, B and C shops that I know, whatever. They came in and since it was commission uh, at the time, I was like, okay, you get this commission and you get a little bit of a, a commission bump if you can sell the gold because it's like, yeah, I, I want to give people an incentive but this person twisted the commission system where all they did was they like kind of gave the hard sell to clients and like pushed gold on them. Yeah. And I came back and uh, I was only gone for about five days. And when I came back, the majority of piercings they did were with gold and they had some really high sales. And I was like, this is amazing. And I cut them a commission check. They went off on their way. They cashed my commission check. And then I spent the next two weeks dealing with all these clients coming back who had just gotten gold jewelry that was completely inappropriate for the area. And the, the, the guest piercer just like milked my system to get more money for them without caring at all about mm -hmm. the satisfaction and long-term health of my clients. And I was so offended by that. And then come to find out that like they burned plenty of those other studios the same way, but they were like a, a traveling carny or something like that where nobody caught on until it was too late. Um, there was that. And then I had another piercer who, who was a staff piercer for a while, like, you know, fill in shifts and stuff. And this was also at the time where I started having a counter person and the counter person was really the one doing the majority of the, the selling. Uh, and the counter person was getting really good at uh, moving gold jewelry and things like that. But then the piercer who was piercing it to an expert level, like a high degree, like safe and, and professional, all that stuff they were marking it on their sales sheet and being like, well, I'm the one who installed it and it's, I'm the one who rang up the transaction. So obviously I'm the one who should get the commission. And then it, it turned into this whole thing of like, but like they did the, the work and now they're not getting their bonus. Yeah, You are. And then, so all of those things together made me sit down and I, I wrote out like, okay, this is all the income averaged out over this many days and this many hours. And I, I basically worked out like over the last year on average, this is how much the piercers have made on a per hour basis compared to how much they've worked and how much they brought in. And then I basically just determined like, okay, I'm going to pay the piercing staff a flat hourly fee. Um, and then if they 
if they do well, or if they work for me for a while, like they'll get raises along the way. Uh, like my piercers would get regular raises uh, to the point where sometimes they were making great money in, in wages even before tips or anything like that. But I had to learn all those things kind of the hard way and over time. And it made me a much stronger uh, business owner. But some of those some of those lessons I learned along the way were like tough lessons to learn because a lot of it's like driven by ethics and not necessarily greed, but someone's personal financial gain. Sometimes a commission system might make them make decisions that aren't necessarily the best for the client. They're best for that that person economically. From, from experience as well, working on a commission can also make you make decisions that aren't always best for you because I worked, you know, percentage based for years. And the thing about getting paid a percentage every day means that, you know, the harder you work, the more you're rewarded. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that if you really push yourself as hard as you can every day, you're going to make more money and more money and you do, but it's let, it becomes less easy for you to take time off. I would go easily okay. years without taking a holiday. Same like, for me. Really as a business years. owner, that's, that's, that's your life. It's like, mm -hmm. How can I let myself take a day off when I know that if I went into work, I might make X amount of money? Like, and then you turn into that, like addicted to work and constantly just grinding away. And yeah, that can it, be great if you want to pay a mortgage, but it's terrible if you want to have a life. Uh, it's, but it, it's not always great for money managing though either because you become uh, a, a, um, accustomed to, you know, that immediate income. And it's, you know, the saying, easy come, easy go. You you start sure. to have no value for what it is that you're doing. You're just yeah. constantly like running all the time. I mean, I've, I've definitely had, uh, you know, obviously less income the past year than ever because of the pandemic. But, uh, you know, even um, going forward into the future, like that's not necessarily a work pattern I would make, you know, want to get back into. Um, the benefits I would think of having just like a set wage would be that, you know, you don't try and, and crush in twice as much as you should every day. Um, you don't fall to pieces every time, you know, you lose out on something or you have to take some sick days or, you right. know, like you want to take a, a vacation or something like that. So like, I mean, I've, I've kind of seen both sides of it a little bit. And I think that it all just comes down to like what you need and what's going to be healthy for you. I yeah. mean, like when I, when I was working on a percentage base, I, I never really worried. I could have a couple of days that would be quiet um, but if I had like a, like a family and children and commitments and things that could be problematic, you know, like having to wait for the, you know, like the dam to kind of open and the work to start flowing again. Um, whereas, you know, like it wasn't a big issue for me, but someone in a different situation might really benefit from knowing I get paid this amount every month right. on this day of the month that I can use to kind of run my household. So, um, well, I, I love to be able to do that for my staff because yeah. before I remember when uh, when I had another piercer who's, who's left my studio, um, he was, I think he started with commission and then he was there as we transitioned into wages. And there were, there was such a thing as a zero day, you know, where, where it would be like, I sat there for eight hours and made nothing or made 15 bucks. I sold one can of aftercare and then I sat there the rest of the day. Um, my, my piercer now, uh, Evan, never has to worry about that. He knows I'm going to be there for X amount of hours, which means I'm going to make X amount of income because I get paid hourly. And then like the tips, you know, with American culture of tipping people in the service industry, that's basically just like, he gets a bonus check, like yeah. essentially every week based on how busy it is and how much, how much work he puts in and the customer service level that he gives, which is great. But he needs to also know that like, 
if it's, if something goes wrong and every single appointment that day cancels, you're still going to get paid. You're still going to be able to pay your bills. Now I'm in a point where I can also give some, some perks and benefits. Like I'm working on starting um, like a retirement matching plan. I give people paid vacation days now. And it's like, I never would have been able to do that before. And I, I think switching over to an hourly system was good for me too, because it was better money management and it wasn't like feast or famine constantly. Yeah. I, I guess the, the thing to consider then would just be work out what it is that you need, what it is that you think that your time is worth as somebody that, that offers an expert service and at least make sure that the person hiring you is okay with the possibility of that conversation taking place. Because if you ask, you know, is it okay if maybe annually we, we review this and they say no, that would be kind of a bit of a red flag for me straight away. I'd be like, you don't even know how I'm going to do. We could at least talk about it in a year. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so if they're not even prepared to have that on the table, I mean, maybe you could come up to negotiate and they could say no to everything and give you the reasons why, you know, like you, they should at least be willing to have that conversation with you. And if they're not, that should be the biggest red flag of all that they're not serious about you as an employee or, or about their business. Sure. Okay. I got to call it there because I got to go to work. Rub um, it in. Why don't you? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so to touch on it, uh, Sunday, January 24th, educational day. Uh, I'll be starting off the day with a, a nipple piercing uh, considerations presentation um, at 11 o'clock Eastern. Uh, check your own local time zones. And then the star of the show will be Lola's presentations uh, starting at one o'clock. If you want more information, check out Body Art Education by Ryan Willette on Facebook. You can see the event page. You can see the registration link. You can message Lola on social media. Um, what's your social media and what's your email address that people can contact you via? Um, my social media is Lola.slider. Um, and my shop social media is forest piercing. Yeah. Use the social media for that part, but, um, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it'll be a, a great day. And, uh, just as a reminder, a hundred percent of the funds just go to making sure that forest piercing can pay bill, can pay bills, can pay rent. So would be nice. Um, would be very nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for talking to me. Uh, I think your, uh, your blanket looks really cool. I like your roadhouse shirt and your makeup looks very pretty. Thank you. Anything else you want to say? I like your jumper. Thank you. Got it in Scotland. Really? I'm from Scotland. Yeah. That's so weird. That's uh, weird. My girlfriend lives there. Do you know her? Her name's Lola Slider. She's a famous body piercer. Bit of a cunt. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks for recording with me. Have a lovely day at work. Bye. Oh, also uh, keep listening to the podcast because I'm going to edit in that social media thing that Lola will send me. Can you send that to me via email? Yes. Okay, thank you. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm here at my studio, Forest Piercing, and uh, I planned on coming in today uh, and recording some footage for you, just kind of explaining a few different tips to avoid piercing flare-ups during lockdown. Um, And obviously the announcement has just come through that Scotland's lockdown has been uh, harshened and extended again. Um, So I just wanted to take a moment just to, to talk to everybody that I know that's not just in the piercing industry, but in the close contact personal service industry. Um, obviously now that means that, you know, basically six months so far out of 12, um, there have been forced closures for me working in Glasgow. Um, other parts of the country have been affected differently, but everyone has been affected really negatively in one way or another. So 
Uh, I just wanted to let you know that, you know, I'm here and I feel what you're going through and I don't know what's going to happen, but we're doing it. So moving swiftly on from that. Uh, piercing flare-ups, what I mean by that is basically when your piercing just gets kind of angry um, and uh, rapidly that situation can become worse and worse depending on the actions that you take. So I wanted to share uh, just a few bits of information with you as to try and avoid piercing flare-ups, um, just you know what they are, how they happen, how to avoid them, to hopefully make the lockdown a little bit easier for you caring for your piercing. So the first thing that I'd like to mention uh, is that most of the messages that I get about, you know, like sudden onset problems with piercings are the result of an at-home jewellery change. So if it's possible for you not to change your jewellery, I know it's tempting um, during times of stress. I've said before, we all want to mess around with our appearance. It's a way of, you know, reclaiming control. Look at me here with the new purple streak. You know, we all want to just like play around with our image. It's, it's fun and it just helps us feel, you know, like we're being creative and in control of our bodies. So I do understand there is a desire, oh, maybe I'll try and wear a ring in this or maybe I'll try and change the head on this. Don't change your jewelry right now. It's a really, really bad time to experiment because if something goes wrong, if you lose the connection, if you can't get your jewelry back in, if you have some kind of an allergic reaction to the new piece, uh, if it's not bought from a trusted source, uh, if you just can't get your jewelry back in, there's nothing that your piercer can do to help in that situation. Um, so most of the, the kind of messages that I've had over the last couple of lockdowns have been about, well, I changed this and ever since I changed it, I've been having these problems. So it's not super fun, but one of the easiest ways to avoid a, a kind of sudden flare up with your piercing is to not change it right now. Uh, secondly, don't sleep on your piercing. And that doesn't mean like, don't sleep on your piercing. That means like literally don't sleep on your piercing. Um, it's one of kind of the most common answers that we'll give uh, when we see a piercing with what's called a pressure bump. It's like a little pimple, usually just on one point and on your piercing, kind of on the side of it. And it's a, a pressure bump, as you would expect, is literally caused by pressure. Now, pressure can come from lots of different sources, but the most common is it being slept on. And again, something that I've been asked many times uh, just over the years is, well, I keep sleeping on it, but is there anything else I can do? No, I'm not really. There's, there's no amount of being really good with your piercing during the day that's going to compensate for it being slept on for like up to eight hours a night. So uh, either sleep on the other side or just invest in a travel pillow. Um, there's lots of different ways that you can adapt uh, a travel pillow to try and just prevent the weight of your head from pressing on your piercing. This is particularly important for people who need downsizes done, um, but unfortunately can't have their piercing downsized due to the lockdown. Now your jewellery is going to be too long uh, and sleeping on it, as well as causing pressure bumps, can also cause migration. So don't sleep on your piercing. And also don't sleep on your piercing, you know? Uh, Third, I would say aftercare must continue. So when we go into lockdown, our lives are basically thrown into disarray. Uh, every part of our routine is just on its arse, basically. Uh, and so it's not at all surprising or unusual that people might stop cleaning their piercings or, you know, maybe like cut down dramatically on how they're cleaning their piercings um, or you know, maybe just develop other problems. Like, for example, when you're used to getting up and going to work every day, 
you eat at certain times and you rest at certain times and you're exposed to certain elements, you go from living a relatively normal daily life to being in bed 18 hours a day, eating junk food and not drinking enough water, that's gonna wreak havoc with your skin's oil balance, which can also be an issue. Um, so, because that's obviously a significant change to your skin. Uh, so it's really important that whilst all that's happening, you don't just suddenly like stop caring for your pure sink. So try and keep that going because stopping your aftercare combined with a massive change to your routine and a huge increase in stress, that is a recipe for a piercing flare up right there. Um, fourth point that I have to share with you guys is just that most piercing flare ups, and by flare up, I literally mean when your piercing just gets like red and sore and angry and you know, it can come out of nowhere. Uh, and it doesn't really seem to, you know, have any cause, it's just something that happens. Most piercing flare-ups are honestly just, you never know what causes them, or they're caused by things like stress and dehydration, or something topical that's gotten on the skin, or maybe you've scratched it in your sleep or something like that. They're often caused by like these little innocuous non-events, you know, so it's not even like you can say, oh, it's caused by this. A lot of the time you never know what's caused it. And piercings that are years and years old, one day you can wake up, it's just a bit sore that day. And I know that's annoying, but one of the worst things that you can do is go online and try and find like an instant remedy for it. Honestly, the majority of piercing flare-ups, uh, because they're caused by fleeting accidents or something topical, if you just revert to your original aftercare, practice that for a few days, don't sleep on it and drink lots of water. Within a few days, like the vast majority of the time, it's gonna settle itself down and just be normal again. And again, one of the kind of unnecessary complications that I'll see is people who have been like, well, it was a bit sore, so I went and did this crazy thing that I saw on Google, and now it's 10 times worse. So resist the temptation to try quick fixes and home remedies if you can, because it's amazing how often they blow up in your face. Uh, finally, I would say easiest way to avoid a piercing flare up is don't touch your piercing. Um, you know, it's boring, it seems like, standard boilerplate advice, but like most standard boilerplate advice, boilerplate advice, it's also the most ignored piece of advice. Um, people very often like to just kind of check on their piercing, whatever that means, just tap it, see if it's still there, see how it's feeling. But all of those little touches uh, with your hands after you've been touching your phone and surfaces and door handles and your face and food and, and all that kind of stuff, that's what transfers harmful bacteria, and that's what's most likely to cause a piercing flare-up, um, as your body tries to just, you know, basically reject whatever it is that's on the surface that it doesn't like. So please try your best not to touch your piercing if you don't need to, um, especially if it feels inflamed for any reason. And if you do have to handle your piercing, like for example, if you're performing essential aftercare, just wash your hands first with hot soapy water, and that's gonna keep you safe. Uh, anyway, Thank you guys very much for watching this video. Uh, sorry if I'm a little bit flustered. Obviously, really, really bad news today for, for me, for a lot of people I care very much about. So that's going to take a little while to digest, but I hope this video helps. Um, and uh, see you on the other side. Yo, this dip try to tell him, ooh, you like the sun, chasing all of the money away, when you come around, you bring brighter days, she told me you're the perfect one.
Holy girls type, but I ain't after her. Probably your Acura Pearl White, the hook or not. And many times I done hit it. Just be specific more times and dimes in the prison. When you broke north, I crashed the barbecue like Riddick at the Garden True. That's the Garden Me, pardon you. Cheapers, I was told back. The whole game access to my beeper. Call back my secretary gatekeeper. Like I ain't peeper. I said, darling, you was stupid though. You know the super villain. Home. I had this style ever since I was a child I got this other style, I ain't flipping a while It goes, pure scientific intelligence With one point of relevance MCs who styles need elements And once the smoke clear, tell them it's The super motherfucking villain Nigga came through raw like the elements On 99 plus one of them And with a float to pull a fraud Nigga foul from out in front of him When we were tall, we had tons of fun Me and my tons of them Actual, true, and living sons of them Dead planets and car jewels Throwing divine rules to come through We will overcharge you Ooh, I won't feel remorse for shit Except for one time Once I had took my front shot and lost some shit Damn. Scientific on berserk like Red Alert I really want to pick up what's nerd for cheddar dirt The funniest experiments is where I went Obviously dead bent And spent every red cent to rule you And still drop more jewels than schools do Or even TV news that's designed to fool you Ooh. Yeah, you who hear the most grimy suggestions From brothers with fly names and ID questions that's a sequel like Victoria Teddy says that's edible Dunn's not ready yet but the incredible Team of MCs who broke off fakes who thought they were slaughterproof Stomping through like North Lake waterproof Tat tat at the end of that At the hit the bar with baby girl bartender at I told her more wine mingling with no single mentions of Stay tuned for more spine tingling adventures of